Settle down now. I know you're all excited. I know you say, yes, yes, Lord. And uh, let's see how you will answer to God's uh, leading for us this morning. And uh, I'm hoping that after you hear the message of God this morning, you will say, yes, Lord. Is that, is that okay? So, let me just um, quickly remind you what we have been doing here in uh, CCF LA for the past eight weeks. Those of you who are here for the first time with us, um, don't worry, okay? Um, there's such a thing as you will not understand something that you did not start with. But for those of us who have been here for la- the last eight weeks or two months, we have been learning about what? Being intimate with God. Being intimate with God and walking in His presence, right? Have you been experiencing that, guys? You know, I can see a lot of yes. And you know, I hope that those are real experiences to say that you know what? The God that we're talking about is not theoretical. And the God that we're talking about is real. And He's here with us and you are in His presence. And you know, what exactly does it mean? For those of you who have been saying, yes, yes, uh, I've experienced God. What exactly does it mean? What does it mean? You know, I hope you will memorize this verse if you have the time. And I hope that you will always refer to it every time you say, Lord, I'm, I'm missing your presence. Lord, I, I, wanna, I want to experience you uh, intimately. If, if you are lost and you're groping for that, I want you to remember this verse. Exodus 33:14 to 15. It is a dialogue between God and Moses. And right here in this passage, you will see the meaning of what? The presence of God and being intimate with him. Verse 14, and God said, to whom? To Moses. God said, my presence shall go with you. And what? I will give you Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us, so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? You know, if you can memorize this passage, please do. Because right here in this passage, you will begin to clearly understand what it means to be intimate with God and to have God in your presence. What does it mean? It means rest. What does it mean? It means being distinguished from all the other people of the world. Would you like that? Would you like to be rested? Would you like to be distinguished? And, you know, when people look at you, wow, look at, look at that guy. His name is Romy. I can sense the presence of God with this guy because he's distinguished. I don't know with you, but I like that. Rest. Being distinguished. What is rest? Rest is when you are provided for, you're lacking in nothing, and then you are protected from. You like that? I mean, you you won't worry about what you're going to eat, and you won't worry against your enemies because... Hey, tomorrow I'm going to have something to eat. That's for sure. Because God is with me. 
And you know what? Those people planning to do something bad against me, I'm protected. You know what? When you feel that way all the time, you are rested. And when you are rested, believe me, it will show. And if it shows, then you are going to be distinguished. And when you are distinguished, this is what happens. You become attractive to people. And your testimony will shine. You know, uh, what's the name of that guy, Philippe? Uh, every time I look at him, I'm just so attracted to him. You know, because there's, there's a sense of peace. And there's a sense of difference as far as that guy is concerned. And when, when, when I go to Philippe, what do Philippe say? You know what? Because God is with me and I'm intimate with God. Do you like that? I really like that. And um, so, in the last series we had with Pastor Desmond, I'm sorry, Edmund John, I keep mistaking those two. One has a hair, the other one doesn't have, but I, I keep mistaking it. He said that restedness is found where? In true repentance. And that's why this morning I want to talk about this. True repentance. If you want to be rested, you have to really, really deeply understand the meaning of true repentance. Many of us have an idea of what it means to be penitent, right? I'm sorry, but does that constitute true repentance? We keep saying, I'm sorry, but if I take a look at your life, you're not rested. You seem to be worried all the time. Then it's possible that you have missed the point between the connection of restedness and true repentance. Amen? And that's why I would like to talk about this this morning. When we find ourselves in a, what? Sin, confess, sin, confess, life pattern. How many of you are in that pattern um, every now and then? You know, I am. I don't like to eat caldereta and I don't like to eat, uh, what do you call that? Kare-kare and dinuguan. But if I see it there, I eat it again. That's why now I cannot walk, as you can see. I have gout, okay? I mean, sin confess, sin confess pattern. I mean, that's miserable. We do it over and over again. You know, I've got news for you. It's possible that you have not truly repented and have aligned yourselves back to God. It's possible. What else? Are you truly repentant when you find yourself not pleasing God or not behaving Christ-like? Ah, I blew it again. What do you need to do when you do that? Repent. Repent. Because if you don't understand true repentance, brothers and sisters, you will not be rested. You will not be distinguished. And that's why I appeal to you, repent. How do we know then if we are truly and genuinely repentant and therefore rested? How do you know? If I look at you, will I see, oh, this guy is rested, this guy is rested and repented? How do you know? Between you and God, how do you know that? This morning, hopefully, before you step out of that door, you'll know what it means to be truly repentant and therefore rested. Why do I say truly and genuinely repentant? Because there is false repentance. Amen? Do you agree? That people can look repentant, but they're not, actually. You know, that's the reason why I'm emphasizing truly and genuinely. 
Let me show you. Let me ask you this question. What do these folks have in common? Okay? Who is that? That's Pharaoh. When the Pharaoh that Moses confronted when he was trying to put the people out of Egypt. Okay? And then, the Israelites in the desert. The question is this. What do they have in common? Pharaoh, the people uh, in the desert, while they were going to the promised land. Judas, who hung himself. Achan, you know, Achan, one of those guys who hid something forbidden under the tent, right? And then, King Saul. What do these people have in common? You know what? These people, all of them, all of them said, I have sinned. But you know what? Their lives ended in tragedy. All of them. Pharaoh was drowned in the Red Sea, right? Um, Judas was hanged. The Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Why? They said, I have sinned, but tomorrow, sin na naman. I have sinned, tomorrow, sin na naman. Right? Because they have not understood what? True repentance. You understand what I'm saying? It's possible for people to say they are repentant, but their repentance is false. And this morning, we would like we would like us to understand what true repentance is so that we can have true restedness and be distinguished. And I'm praying for that. They said, I have sinned. But what? Their repentance was not real. Their repentance was not real. Please rise. Let's read scriptures to understand what true repentance is. Let's, let's all rise. <clears throat> and let's read this together, shall we? Matthew 3, 5 to 10. Then Jerusalem... Then let's read James 4, verse 8 to 10. Draw near. Let us pray. Father, we just commit this time to you. Thank you for the clarity and the power of your word. Lord, would you... Would you teach us what true repentance is this morning? Would you, would you open the eyes of our hearts so that we will become people who will be truly repentant and therefore walk in intimacy with you, be realigned with you, and exactly know what it means to be intimate with you? Father, I commit this time to you. I can't handle this apart from your spirit. So would you be the one to speak to your people Lord, make us truly repentant men and women of God. We commit this time to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. 
Okay, what is real repentance? What is real repentance? Before we can understand what true and real repentance is, I think it would be good for us to know what is not. Right? Let's see a contrast. Let me ask you, is this real repentance? Okay, I'm going to show you some examples. Okay? Here is this guy. Okay? This guy, um, he sent a check to the government for back taxes with a note attached to his check. And he said this. Okay, remember, the question is this. Is this real repentance? Okay, so uh, Reggie wrote a note. Okay? <laughs> wrote a check to the government. And he attached this note. You know, Mr. Government, I felt so guilty for cheating on my taxes. I had to send you this check. If I don't feel any better, I'll send you the rest. Is that real repentance? It's partial, right? Now you're getting it. It's partial. And it goes without saying that, you know, true repentance should be complete. It's partial, right? It is not real repentance. Feeling guilty is okay, by the way. I feel so bad. But it is not real repentance because it is not complete. Okay, what about this? The story of what? What, what story is this? Charlie Brown and Lucy, the peanut series, right? And here is this episode where, where you know, uh, Charlie Brown and Lucy are playing football, and Lucy places the football, and then Charlie Brown will kick it. Every time Charlie Brown kicks it, what does Lucy do? Takes it away, and Charlie Brown falls flat on his back, right? So there you go. Then he tried again. There you go. She does it over and over again. Until Charlie Brown says, no more. I don't like it. You keep on doing this to me. Okay? So, Lucy said, come on, Charlie Brown. Let's do it all over again. And then Charlie Brown said, oh, no, not again. You know, they kept arguing. No, I don't like to do it. No, please, please do it. And then Lucy, with tears in her eyes, said to Charlie, Charlie Brown, I have been so terrible to you over the years. Picking up the football that like I have. I have played so many cruel tricks on you, but I've seen the error on my ways. Crying, okay? I've seen the hurt. Uh, I've seen the hurt look in your eyes when I've deceived you. I've been wrong, so wrong. Won't you give a poor, penitent girl another chance? Okay? So, Charlie Brown, of course, did it again. Whoops! He took, she took it again. Right? Over and over again. And then you know what she said? Charlie Brown, recognizing your faults and actually changing your ways are two different things. Is this real repentance? No, can't be. Right? Can't be. Another incomplete, therefore, false repentance. Hmm. Incomplete repentance, folks, is false repentance. It is the enemy of what? Intimacy with God. If you want to be rested, if you want to be distinguished on the face of the earth, learn through repentance. But if you cannot repent, believe me, never, never expect to be intimate with God. Why? Because you will remain in your sins, right? You said you're sorry, but you remain in your sins. Incomplete repentance is remaining in your sins. And I hope that God is speaking to you this morning already. 
you know, you, you have been telling God, Lord, I'm going to stop this. But you keep doing it over and over again. And you keep giving the excuse. Tao lang po kasi ako eh. You know, excuse. The weak and lame excuse. Tao lang ako. But you know, it cannot be possible because sin and God will not come together. Why? Sin is evil and God is holy. You understand this? It's like water and oil. They cannot mix. How can you be in the presence of God when you have sin? How do you expect God to draw near to you when you're in sin? And that's the reason why, you know, folks, you have to really take a, look at, take a hard look at yourself and say, Lord, am I pleasing to you today? If not, then repent. Repentance is very, very important if you want to be rested and if you want to be distinguished as the people of the Lord. John Wesley said this, and how true. Look at this. A very little dust will disorder a clock. You know that? Little dust. And the least sand will obscure our sight, so the least grain of sin which is upon the heart will hinder its right motion towards God. You see that? Just a little sin is not going to make you intimate with God. You've got to be completely, what? Washed of your sins. And you can only do that through true repentance. Okay, what is real repentance? Complete repentance. Again, what is real repentance? Complete repentance. Complete, not partial. Okay? The word for repentance is this. Can you read this? I can't. <laughs> That's the Greek. I, cop, I copied it, I cut it, I pasted it. But you know, it, it, is, it, is, it is called metanoia. Pronounced as metanoia. That's the word in Greek for repentance. And all of the word repent that you see in the Bible is spelled like this in Greek and it's called metanoia. What does it mean? To change one's mind. Okay, so it involves the mind. To change one's mind for the better or for better. Heartily to amend abhorrence of one's past sins. What is abhorrence? You hate what you've done. Something like that. And then what? Make a U-turn. You see that sign up there? Don't make a U-turn. That's not true repentance. This is true repentance. You make a U-turn. You're headed towards sin. You realize you're wrong. You make a U-turn and you head back to God. Okay? Don't make a 360 degree turn because you're back to your sins. It's a U-turn. Only 180 degrees. That is true repentance. Away from sin towards God. Okay? Now, I've told you already the good consequences of repentance. Let's take a look at the bad consequences. What are the good consequences when you repent? You are aligned with God, you will be rested, and you will be distinguished. Right? What are the bad consequences? I think you need to know the bad consequences so that you'll know too that, you know, I don't, I don't want to talk about the good side only. I want to tell you about the bad side too. Because once you know the bad side of, of, of non-repentance, hopefully you will be repentant. Okay. Matthew 3, 1 to 3. I want to show you the bad consequences. You know, at the very heart, at the very start of the ministry of John the Baptist. Okay, this is John the Baptist. Who is John the Baptist? The cousin of Jesus who preceded Jesus. You know, he, he started to announce that Jesus is coming. At the very start, at the very heart of, minist of his ministry, what is he saying? 
Look what it says. Now in those days, John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea saying, Repent. You see the word? Metanoia. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, here you see, here you see this man starting in his ministry and the first thing that comes out of his mouth is what? Repent. Is it important or is it important? It's absolutely important. And he says, repent. Why? Because the kingdom of God is at hand. When you say kingdom of God, what comes into your mind? Repent. Because salvation is at hand. Okay? What is the opposite of salvation? Damnation. Okay? Repent because salvation is at hand. Don't repent. Be damned. That's what they're saying. Right? What is the bad side of non-repentance? Damnation. Make no mistake about it. You know, we, we always hear the good side. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is here. You know? If he were to reverse this, he would have said, don't repent. Be damned. Your choice. Mike, your choice. I'd rather repent and be saved, right? Now, after John the Baptist came Jesus. How did Jesus begin his ministry? Check the Bible. How did Jesus begin his ministry? Look at this. Matthew 4, 12 to 17. Now when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been taken in custody, he was arrested. He, he withdrew into Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Sebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet. And look what he said. From the time Jesus began to preach, what did he say? Repent, metanoia, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why do you think they start with repentance? Because it's so important. If you miss it, you will go to hell. I'm not trying to frighten you guys, but that's the option. But if you find yourself in a position of true repentance, the kingdom of heaven will be yours. But if not, sorry, the opposite is true for you. Right? And then, why begin with repentance? Because it's so important for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What is the bad side of incomplete repentance? Matthew 3, 7 to 10. We read this, okay? The bad side. Look at this. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, this is John the Baptist, he said to them, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. You know, remember, huh? this was a crowd. And within the crowd, there were people who were sincere, who were coming to John the Baptist because they were really penitent and they wanted to be baptized. And remember, among the Jews, a Messiah was promised. Right? So when you say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, they were all of a sudden excited about the Messiah coming. Right? See, the Pharisees and the Sadducees also knew about the promised Messiah. Right? So when they saw John the Baptist baptizing, ba, ano sabi niya? Sama John. Right? Sama John. But you know, John the Baptist, knowing their mot motives, what did John the Baptist say? You brood of vipers. Mga, mga ahas. Mga worms, eh, mga ahas pala. Mga ahas, sabi niya. Who warned you of the wrath to come? And then he said, you know, therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. You know, Pharisees and Sadducees, you who are religious, you who are self-righteous, you know, you cannot fake it. 
You may come here for baptism, but unless you show what? Fruits inconsistent or bearing repentance, then you are not repenting. So, and then look at the verse 10. The act is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. What is the fire there? Hell. Hell. Absolutely. So, what else is the bad side of incomplete repentance? Second Peter. The Apostle Peter talks about it too. He said, verse 8, Do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is what? Not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but to come to repentance. Complete repentance, kingdom of heaven, salvation. Incomplete repentance, false repentance, what is it? Perish. Damnation. Thank you, brother. You know, thank you for reminding that. I didn't want to say it because they might feel that I'm, I'm making it hard on you, okay? But you know, that's the scripture, and the scripture will not apologize. Your choice. Repent or perish. If you repent, you will be with God in heaven. That means what? The presence of God. Intimacy with God forever and ever. Your choice. Or, do not repent. Partially repent. False repentance. And be away with, from God forever. With Satan, by the way, forever in hell. Now, they say, in heaven there is no beer. That's why we drink it here. Okay? You know, I used, to, I used to joke about that because, you know, I, I don't like heaven because in heaven my friends will not be there. All of my friends would be in hell, so I'd rather be in hell. Right? You know? So many lies about heaven and hell. But believe me, one of these days we're going to have Bible study on hell and you will not like it. Okay? You know, when you get burned, because it's painful, what do you want? For the fire to consume you, right? And then you're gone. That's not going to happen. In hell, you will just be on fire forever and ever without you being consumed. Do you like that? I don't like that. Your choice. Repent or not repent. Perish or what? Be with God. This is the bottom line. If you read the whole book of, of Proverbs, okay, the bottom line of Proverbs is this. The good versus the bad. The repentant versus the non-repentant. Okay? So, it is this. The bottom line of Proverbs and the whole Bible is this. It is going to be good for the good. Those who are completely repentant, it's going to be good for you. But for the non-repentant, it's going to be really bad. When? Now and later. Your choice. You know what? That's why I want to be intimate with God. I want, I want to really walk in the presence of God. Why? Because I want to be rested. That's good, isn't it? Not only will I be rested, when I go and die, I'll be in heaven. That's even better. But you know what? If you are not repentant and you keep sinning and sinning and sinning and sinning and disregard God, believe me, you will not be rested. You will forever suffer the consequences here on earth and also in the life to come. Your choice. What is, what is real repentance? Complete repentance. This will describe to us 
This passage will tell us exactly what complete repentance is. Okay? Verse 8. It says what? Draw near and what does that tell you? Isn't that intimacy with God? Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. You, wanna, you want God to be close to you? What does the Bible say? Step closer to God. Pursue God. That's why we have been pursuing God in this series of what? Intimacy with God. Because if you show your heart to God and you approach God, lumapit ka, lalapit din siya. You know, that's what the promise is. But you know what? This passage is all about true repentance. And here, we will see what complete repentance is. This is what it takes for you to be completely repentant. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Oops. I hope God is speaking to you when, you, when, when, when this is read. And then, look at 9. I, I, I really wonder why God said this. Be miserable and mourn and weep. You know? Ah, heal. Sabi niya, heal. Be miserable. You mourn and you weep. Let your laughter turn into mourning and your joy into gloom. Huh? Ganyan ba talaga yan? Yeah, that's the meaning of repentance. True repentance. And then verse 10, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and He will exalt you. Okay? Write down this passage because if you want to understand what complete true repentance is, it's right here. Everything is there. All of the actions that you need to know and you need to do to become completely repentant are all listed here. That is what you call complete repentance. Let me break it down. I'm going to help you analyze it because I'm going to be very quick as we go through this and then finish this message and then apply it right away. Okay? And then let's eat. Okay? Mm. Complete repentance is a threefold action. One, two, three. If one, two, three does not exist, believe me, chances are your repentance is partial or incomplete. Okay? So the first one is this. Notice, I colored it red, blue, and green. One is red so that you will know exactly what I'm talking about as I go through the message. What's number one? Threefold action. Number one, in the understanding, in the mind. It means knowledge of sin. You will know in your mind that you're wrong. Amen? That's number one. That's only number one. Number one. Number two, blue. In the feelings, you have to feel freed. Ang sakit, ang hirap. Okay? If you are not feeling pain and you're not grieving, then it's possible that you're not repentant. Ha! I just stole a money. Sarap. Ang yaman ko na. Ninakawang ko siya. Ay, masama pa lang magnakaw. Pero, dami kong pera eh. Sarap eh. See what I'm saying? There's no grief. There's no pain because you're enjoying what you're doing. And then finally, number three, in green, in the will. Okay, so in the mind, in the emotions, and in the what? In the will. In the will, it means a change of heart and a change of mind. I will change my thoughts about it. I will not do anymore what I used to do because it's wrong. And it's an act of the will. You understand what I'm saying? So one, two, and three. Okay, remember that. What is one? Number two. Number three. Will. 
I think it's only Kahu who's understanding this, okay? One, two, three, will. Okay. No, let's go back to the passage. And you tell me where number one, number two, or number three is. What about cleanse your hands, you sinners? Purify your hearts, you double-minded? Mind. So that's number one, isn't it? Right? You know, when you understand that you're double-minded, God is saying, hey, that's bad. Wash. Purify your hearts. Because you are double-minded. Oops, okay, that's number one. Look at number two. Isn't that, be miserable and mourn. Di ba? <laughs> Pag nagkasala ka, huwag kang sasaya-saya. Be miserable. Mourn. Because if you're not mourning, there's something wrong. And then he said, what? Let your laughter be turned into mourning. Dati-dati, wow, naka-jackpot ako. Naloko ko siya. Tapos, naisip mo, oh, mali pala. Ako, mali. Hey, Lord, mali, no? Then you start start to cry because you know you abused someone. That is what? The beginning of true repentance. And then number three, verse 10, humble. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord. Right? What is humble? Why is it that you're so proud about things that you do which are wrong? Because of pride. Why is it that you don't, you do, you don't want to give up something that you know is wrong? Because of pride, right, Tony? You know, somebody tells you you do this. Who are you to tell me that? Huh? You're not even you're not even better than me, you know. Come on, that's pride. But what, you know, if you really are truly repentant, you will tell to yourself, Lord, I've been I've been so proud. You know what? I'm wrong. And what the first step is what humility. Okay, so that is number three. Very clear. You know, I never I never understood the difference between. Repentance, regret, and remorse until this was shown to me. Okay? You know? Are you sorry? When you're sorry, what does it mean? It's either you're regretting it or you're remorseful. But is that complete repentance? Let's see. Regret. What does it mean? Being sorry mentally. Okay? That's number one, right? Number two. uh, Remorse. Being sorry mentally and emotionally. So, if you take a look at regret, it's number one. If you take a look at remorse, it's number one and number two, right? If you take a look at complete repentance, being sorry mentally, emotionally, and volitionally. Okay? Now I understand what complete repentance is because that's one, two, and three. You know what I'm saying? So are you beginning to feel repentant now? Huh? And you're beginning to see the difference? Right? Remember, what's the bad side? Perish. What's the good side? Kingdom of God. Heaven at hand. Very simple and very true. Again, what do these folks have in common? They said, I have sinned. What? Is it possible that they only went up to number one? Right? Number one and only up to number two and they never changed their mind? Right? Until you get to one, two, three, you are not fully repentant. There was this little boy who really wanted to become a basketball player. That used to be me, okay? Tony He even told his dad, you know, Dad, I want to join the NBA. I wanted to become a pro when I'm older. Okay? And so knowing his son would never be able to play the game because he's really like 
surely. Okay. The dad asked the local coach in the school, said, you know, if there's anything I could do that you can recommend to make my kid, you know, go tall. Okay, and then the coach said, laughing, you know what, maybe there is. Why don't you take him down to the museum and put him on a torture stretch rack? Okay. Kawawa naman tinaling anak niya. Okay. And then, the coach, after several weeks, asked the dad, did it work? Uh, what? Oh, the, the stretch uh, rack that you had uh, put your son in. Did it work? And you know what the father said? Well, it did not make him any taller, but he confessed to several things that I never knew he did. <laughs> Is that repentance? Under duress. Right? There's no free will. There's no change of mind. You're just afraid of, oh, sakit, oh, ninakaw ko, dad, 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 tama na, dad. Ang sakit, right? <laughs> okay. Psalm 32, if you have a chance to read about Psalm 32, this is true repentance. This is David. David, after he has committed a sin, okay, a sin of adultery and murder, said this, How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. Is there pain? You can see it. Is there grief? Yeah. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as the fever heat of summer. And then verse 5, I acknowledge my sin to you, and by iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, for you forgave the guilt of my sin. You know what I discovered? Every time you admit your sin, you admit that you have sinned against God. Now, don't just say, I sinned against Pastor Danny, or I sinned against Mike, or I sinned against him. No, because... If you just look at that, if you take a look at your, your friend, oh, anyway, I'm better than him, you'll forget. But if you confess your sins to God and acknowledge that God is a holy God and you are doomed, it will change the picture altogether of how you are repenting. Amen? That's what I'm saying. That's what he noticed. Okay? What's number one? Mind. Okay? I acknowledge my sin. I acknowledge in my mind. To whom? To God. That's number one. Right? The mind, knowledge of sin. Number two, my body wasted away. Isn't that pain and grief and all? Right? And then number three, what happens? Number three, in whose spirit there's no deceit, you were completely changed. Right? You know, you can, you, you can see the, 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 the sequence changing, but it's all there. Okay? All there. One, two, three is complete repentance. Now, I, I'm going into a very basic concept that will allow you to really understand and internalize what true repentance is. It is more than just saying, you know, I'm sinning before, but now no more. I used to smoke a lot, you know, now no more. I used to drink a lot, but now no more. But you know what? You can easily fall back into that pattern again. Right? Because, because it is be only behavioral. I'm, I'm going to explain. 
I used to do this and that before, but now no more. That's behavioral. Your behavioral change is okay, but you know what? It's not complete. What you need is more than behavioral change. And this is where this message comes very important. This is the message that I don't want you to miss. If you want true repentance and you want to end up in heaven and not in hell, you need to understand this. If you want to say goodbye to sin, confess, sin, confess pattern, you need to understand this segment of the message. Okay? What is this segment? What's this? A caterpillar, right? It's ugly. Right? It's ugly. It's so hairy. Then, the same caterpillar went to the beauty parlor of Tinette. What's the name of your beauty parlor, Tinette, in the Philippines? Huh? Huh? Fresh air. Okay? They have the largest chain of uh, beauty parlors in the Philippines, believe me. Okay? You go to the Philippines, you go there. That caterpillar went there, had the haircut, and became like that. Okay? He became an improved caterpillar, but still a caterpillar. You understand? There was a behavioral change. Uy, mapagupit ka naman. Haba-haba ng buhok mo. O sige naman, pagupit ako. Punta ako sa fresh air. Okay? Ayan na siya ngayon. Improved. Pero caterpillar pa rin. You know? This is not what we want. What we want, what we want is more than behavioral change. What we want is this. Okay? That caterpillar will repent Enter a cocoon, okay, for a long, long time, hot, okay, ugly, until he becomes what? A butterfly. Okay? That, that, that uh, caterpillar will become into a beautiful butterfly. Real repentance requires metamorphosis. A process of change, a transformation. Not just, I won't do this, I won't do that. Because chances are you will do it, right Mike? Especially when you are tempted. But when you understand what it means to be transformed, and when you know who you are because you know you're not this person, you'll be different. I, I, I always give this example because I like it. Because, you know, it, it, it's... It may not be perfect, but I like the example. You know, when I graduated from the Ateneo, <clears throat> okay, I changed, okay, because I knew there's blue blood running in me, okay, and you know, uh, my accent changed, okay, <laughs> because I know I came from that school, and I'm supposed to behave. Like that. There was something in me that changed. I was transformed to a barrio boy, to an arneo boy. And you know what? I behave differently since then. Every time I see a lasalite, I'm ready to fight. Okay? <laughs> right there, right there. And it's so amazing how an Athenian can marry a lasalite. Okay? Right here. Right? You know, what I'm saying is this. Okay, let's put it this way. You used to be uh, a Filipino citizen, and you came to America, and you decided to TNT, okay? 
Tago ng tago. Okay? After a while, you found your destiny, you married, and then you became an American citizen. There will be a change in behavior. Isn't it? Immigration. Passport. Blue yan, Brad, blue. Transformation. All of a sudden, you're being changed. Right? Why? Because you have changed the way you look at yourself. It's no longer the caterpillar that you are, but you're rather a butterfly. Once you realize you're a butterfly, you will never want to go back to be a caterpillar. Yeah? And you know, that's what I mean by real, honest to goodness, repentance. That's new birth. That's what you call being born again. That's what you call being changed. Our transformation from being a sinner, right? A caterpillar to what? Being a saint, a butterfly. Did you know that you're a saint? If you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you're a saint. I used to, I used to believe that saints are only those that are or what? proclaimed and um, announced by Rome to be the saint. That's not what the Bible is saying. You know what the Bible is saying? Once you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a saint. You know, I challenge you. Look at all the epistles from the start. Galatians, Corinthians, Ephesians, Philippians. You look at all of them. When, when the Apostle Paul starts writing, he says, I, Paul, to the church in Galatia, to the sinners. To the saints. Right? So you are a saint. So why don't you call each other? Look at each other and say, hi, saint. Come on. Yeah, saint. Really, say it, saint. You're a saint. Right? I can see the halo all over you already. Saint. No? Now, how does one metamorphose? How does one transform into a new nature? Don't you want that? I want to be a butterfly. I want to be a saint. I don't want to be a sinner saved by grace. You know, nothing wrong with sinners saved by grace, but please stop saying that to yourself, okay? Every time I see you, oh, kumusta ka na? Bagsak eh. Bakit? Ito, sinner saved by grace kasi ako eh. You know, every time you say you're a sinner saved by grace, you always have an excuse to go back to where you were. Right? Don't say that anymore, please. You say, I'm a saint. I'm a saint means you're completely forgiven, set apart for God, completely forgiven because of the finished work of Christ. And that will change your mind forever. How does one start up as a sinner and end up as a saint? That possible? Yes. Apostle Paul. How did he start? He persecuted the church. Right? He was supervising the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr. That's him on the, on the, on the, on the horse looking. Right? Kill him. Right? How can a man like this all of a sudden change? He encountered the Lord Jesus Christ in the road to Damascus. Right? He was blinded for three days. On those three days, he probably what? Completely repented. He probably realized, number one, mentally, I was doing wrong things. Lord, I was killing them. And then number two, he felt, wow, I'm so miserable. Now I'm, I'm so blind, Lord Jesus, please, I need help. I can't, I don't like this situation. And then what? Finally, he said, I'm going to change my heart and my mind. I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ instead of a follower of Satan. Right? What happens after that? He started to preach. 
He became the Apostle Paul that we know. He became the preacher and the messenger of the gospel to the Gentiles. And he was never the same. Why? Because there was a transformation. One, two, three happened in his life. Unless one, two, three happens in your life, you and I will never experience transformation. Do you want transformation? Do you want to be called a saint instead of a sinner over and over again? I submit to you, please, completely repent to be saved. Remember, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. Repent for heaven is here. Unless you repent, you will never experience heaven. And repentance is one, two, three. For you to be saved, to be part of the kingdom of heaven. When you are part of the kingdom of heaven, God is with you. You're intimate with God, right? And if you're intimate with God, you're rested. Look at you. Look at the way you sit. You're so rested. You know, I really like the way you're seated, Chris. Rested. Very rested. Very comfortable, right? And you're so distinguished. Number one. Number two. Number three. Completely repentant. Then you are part of the kingdom. It means what? Believing in Jesus Christ to forgive all of your sins because only Jesus saves. When your sins are completely forgiven, what are you called? Saint. What is a saint? Holy. Set apart. Right? How did that happen? Because Christ paid for it. How can it become yours if you accept it and believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I'll answer your question later, okay? Okay? So... What I'm saying is, when you know that you are a sinner and you need to find an answer to your problem, all you need to do is to go to Jesus. Not like the Pharisees, by the way. Okay? Remember? In the story, you know, if you, if you have a chance, I don't have the chance to, to ex- ex- explain this, but in Luke chapter 3, if you take a look at the same story, right? Jesus, uh, uh, what do you call this? Uh, John the Baptist says, you brood of vipers, who warned you for the wrath to come? Unless you repent, right? And then this, this, this uh, Pharisee say, don't you realize who we are? We are from the tribe of what? Okay, Abraham. We descended from Abraham. We have all of this. You know, but, you know, uh, um, John the Baptist said, unless you show fruits in your life, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. But you know what? There are people there who understood the message. What did they say? What must we do to be saved? But the Pharisees, they just disappeared. They never said anything because they wanted to remain in their sinfulness. Right? So, it means believing in Jesus Christ to forgive all of our sins and be born again. You are a new person. The old is gone. The new has come. Right? That's what I want you to understand. You are not just a sinner saved by grace. You are a saint set apart for God, holy and blameless through the blood of Jesus Christ. Paul, in all of his epistles, like I said, addressed the converted, and fully repented as what? Saints. Complete repentance will become evident in the lives of the convert as fruits. The evidence of complete repentance. Okay? Bear fruit. Bear fruit. I would like to end with this story. Okay? The story of what? Zacchaeus. And you tell me if this... I, look, look. I chose this because I like small people. Okay? Uh, and it looks like the small people are always the ones who are really blessed as far as the Bible is concerned because they don't have much, okay? Okay, so I want you to read this and then you conclude in your heart whether Zacchaeus really repented, okay? 
He entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see Jesus, who Jesus was, and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up on a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through the way. When Jesus came to the, to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. He hurried and came down and received him gladly. When they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. These are the people around, okay? He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Lord, behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. If I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Wow. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Did he repent? What was the proof of his repentance? Fruits. He gave his money back. He wanted to make reparations for the things that he has done. And what happened? He was seeking God. He understood that he was a tax, tax collector and he was wrong. So let me, let me summarize what complete repentance is. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Number one, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Number two, let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. And then finally, three, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. If you do that, if you do that, we will always be in his presence. If you do that, you will always be intimate with God. If you do that, then you will be rested, meaning you will be distinguished, you will be protected for and provided for all the days of your life, and you will be with God forever in eternity. And more than, more than that, more than that, believe me, the people will, around you, your spouse, your wife, your husband, your children, your friends, your relatives, your neighbors, will see that you're different. And they will ask for the Jesus that you have. And it will be time for you to say, yes, I know Jesus. Would you like to meet Jesus? But before you can do that, you need to be transformed. And this morning, I just would like to bow, bow, bow our heads right now. Just bow your heads. And I would like you to ask yourself the question, am I really transformed? You know, if, if you're not and you doubt it, and you would like, there's nothing embarrassing about what we're going to do. If you think you need to be transformed to become a saint rather than a sinner, it's not really wrong for you to say, Lord, this morning, I want to be completely repentant. I want to acknowledge before you and you alone, O God, that I'm a sinner. I, I don't want this sin-confess, sin-confess pattern anymore. I want to put a stop to it, and I don't feel good about it. And commit to God. Humble yourself before God and say, I cannot save myself. I need you. I believe in you. You're the only one who can change me from a sinner to a saint. And confess that to God and ask God, Lord Jesus, forgive me. 
I want to receive you again if I have to as my Lord and my Savior because now I understand I want to be transformed completely to become the kind of person that will hate sin and do good. Lord, and in the process, I want to be with you forever. Rested, distinguished. If you if you've said that prayer, I know the peace of the Lord will just flood you right now and expect change, real change to happen in your life. Father, thank you for this morning and I just pray that all of us have seen your message clearly. Not only have we seen it, but Lord, we have applied that to ourselves. We don't want to be ordinary sinners saved by grace, but rather we want to be saints set apart for you, glorifying you, pleasing you, becoming Christ-like the rest of our lives. Lord, for those of us who have accepted and repented this morning, would you honor their decisions? Lord, would you begin to show how faithful you are in their lives and start showing them what it means to be truly rested, provided for, protected from. And then, Lord, as we go through our lives, living restedness, not restlessness, but restedness, you will allow us, to, Lord, to shine brightly for others to see so that we can share the gospel and disciple other people as well. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time. Amen. Okay, so we will break up as usual. Thank you. We have a discussion question, and this discussion question is not going to be...